Hello and welcome to the Walk Family Podcast, a show where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you. The mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Tony Smith, and I am glad you are tuning in today. I have something really spectacular to share with you this week as we enter into our adoption series. But before we do that, I just wanted to give a quick update. If you missed our last episode, we do have a new website for our show and our ministry. It's thewalkfm.com. You can find the link in the description of this episode, so be sure to check it out. It has some cool features and information about our show, about Laura and I and our vision, and some areas to help our listeners out as you're raising your kids. So be sure to check it out. Now today, you are going to hear from a really good friend of mine, Desiree Fires, as she tells her story about adoption. So I met Desiree several years ago when we taught at our middle school, and She's just an amazing person and has such a compassionate heart towards people who truly have nothing. You know, when Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Those are the people her heart gravitates towards. And hearing her journey thus far, you are going to be amazed. Yeah, just kind of like a an opening statement or opening question. Uh, we started teaching together seven years ago now. Seven years ago. Seven years. And so same building, same grade level with eighth grade. And all of a sudden, it's like you taught math. I taught science. We kind of had the same group of kids. It was just kind of a cool journey. Um, so I got to know you through teaching. But on a personal note, could you share a little bit about like your family? So our family is a blended family. Um, My husband and I got married five years ago, and we have, he brought to the family a son and a daughter that are now 29 and 27, and then I brought my son, who is now 22, and um, effective March of this year, we adopted our daughter, who is now 20. And then our oldest son is married and has two babies that are about to be three and will be one in two weeks. So you are not only a mother of like a wide range of kids, but you're a grandma. I am. I'm a how's, granny. How, how does that, is it, is it, do you go by granny? I'm granny. That's yep. awesome. How does that feel? I love it. Sweet. It's my favorite. I've heard, and my parents have said this, my in-laws have said this, several people. Um, they said that the only thing better than being a parent is being a grandparent. I agree. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. It's exhausting. Maybe- I will I will forewarn you with that. Like my mom used to tell me all the time when my son was growing up, like being a grandparent is so exhausting. Like it's you don't realize how tiring it is when you're in it as a parent. Like obviously as a parent you're always tired, but then when you're a grandparent, like it's just hard. After like two days of having them, you're just so wiped out. And I was like, My mom wasn't that old. I didn't understand that. Well, I'm not that old and let me tell you what. We're just not in that season of life anymore. So having littles in the house is exhausting. I, yes, I can relate to an extent, but 
yeah, we'll see how we'll see how I handle it. You know, twenty some years down yes, the road, you have a while. <laughs> I have a while. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about like you and Chad. So I know you guys just kind of started a coffee shop, and yep. Chad is kind of you and Chad kind of like co-own the coffee shop. And yep. so, what does Chad do? Like, he's military background. Yep, he retired from the Air Force after twenty five years. And then you teach Monday through Friday, and then you also are at the coffee shop like seven days a week. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday now. He works during the week at the coffee shop, so I don't really have to go in there as much during the week. I do a few things here and there, but during the week it's mostly focused on home stuff and teaching, obviously, and then on the weekends it's the coffee shop. So other than being mom, being granny, you're a teacher, co-owner of a coffee shop, like you're busy. Yep, (laughs) that sums me up pretty well. (laughs) exhaustingly busy. Yep, we go seven days a week nonstop usually. I want to jump in a little bit to kind of the reason why you're here. So adoption is the series that we're focused on, but you have such a unique story with adopting your daughter, Lily. So you didn't know Lily more than what, a year and a half ago? Correct. So you met Lily, you kind of made a job switch. You switched from teaching eighth grade at the middle school to the alternative high school, same district and everything, but what was the dynamic of like meeting Lily before adoption was even a question? Like describe her personality, maybe some of her struggles as much as you want. So yeah, the switch from eighth grade to alternative is very interesting and enlightening for me. So my first like good story about Lily when I met her, a very small class, I had four girls in my class and a couple of the other girls were telling me their stories, like their background, what's happened to them in their lives. And I kind of turned to her, who's sitting there very quietly, hasn't really opened up. And I said, well, what's your story? And she just kind of opened right up and and laid it on me. And I was a little surprised by it. Um, A little taken aback. Again, that's something that happens when I hear any of their stories, because you're they come from such diverse backgrounds, but very traumatic backgrounds often. And they're so resilient that you wouldn't know it a lot of times just to look at them. So kind of surprised me, but um, she revealed to me that she really didn't have any family at that time. She was an 18-year-old kid that was pretty much on her own, and that kind of struck me. Like, I can't imagine being 16, 17, 18 years old and being on your own without any support. So it like at that time, I never even crossed my mind of adoption or anything like that, but it was just a matter of being the person that I am and being here and supporting these kids and doing everything I can for them. So that kind of opened up that door for me to be able to build trust with her, build a relationship where she could come to me and talk to me about what was going on in her world. The the interesting part about like getting to know you the last you know seven or eight years is that we had the same kids at the middle school. We taught the same kids, but we also have kind of like a compassion towards a I don't want to categorize students, but there was a, a particular type of kid that kind of just drew us in. Right. And that's, I, I think that's what you see a lot at the alternative too. It's, it's these spe- specific group of kids where they don't have a whole lot of support. They don't have a whole lot of attention or affection. You know, maybe they have some sort of trauma, whether it's physical, emotional, you know, wide range of issues. But for some reason we're kind of like, magnetized to them because we want to help. We want to care for them and we want to fill that void that they have. And just from conversations that we've had, you kind of did that, not just for your students, but Lily in particular, because that kind of led you to this whole 
conversation with adoption. So I was hoping you'd be willing to share a little bit about that process. So you got to know Lily, you got to hear her story. And then, I mean, you're talking a matter of months. <laughs> you you made the jump. Yeah. So um, obviously I first met her at the start of the school year. So that would have been end of August, early September. And didn't really know her real well for the first few weeks and whatnot. But then it was it was actually, I believe it was December 2nd, I sent a text to my husband and I said, what would you think about adopting an 18-year-old kid? <laughs> and he was like, what? Why? <laughs> like, why would you adopt an adult, right? And I said, well, everybody deserves to have a family. And I told him, you know, I shared her story with him and he knew a little bit about her situation, but it didn't end up being until January. So right before Christmas break, she kind of trailed off with her attendance and wasn't really here as often. And then after Christmas break, we were able to get in touch with her and find out what was going on and get her um, back in school more. And she was probably here about a week and then she got sick. And she had, my best guess would be like the stomach flu, something along those lines. And she was really sick and down and out. And at the time she was living with two other teenage girls. And I had been the one that was communicating with her and um, kind of taking her back and forth to school and such. And she was telling me that she didn't feel well and all of that. And I, all I could think was, here's this kid who has nobody and she doesn't feel good. Like when we don't feel good, what do we want? We want somebody to take care of us. And so I went to the store and I was buying her, you know, like medicines and, and soup and things that would help her feel better to take and drop off to her. And I was talking to my husband on the phone and he was like, okay, fine, we can adopt her. <laughs> so um, fast forward, well, at this time he had already met her. So she came to our house for dinner a couple of times in early January just for situations that had arose that she didn't really have a place to go that evening. And so she stayed with us for dinner and things. And then we took her home later. And then we come to find out that her living situation really wasn't safe for her. So we started talking about it and we offered for her to come and stay with us. And then obviously she wouldn't have to worry about a ride to school. She'd be in a better place, a safer place. And we'd know that she was being taken care of. So we opened that up to her. She moved in with us the end of January and then we really started talking about the prospect of adoption. Would she want it? Would she be interested in it? Letting her know, you know, that we were open to it. When she expressed that she was on board, then we had those conversations with our children as well and let them know that this is what we were going to be doing. She got to meet all of them, and they welcomed her with open arms as they do with anybody that comes into their lives. And then the process with adult adoption is so quick and so easy that we actually adopted her on March 25th. So it ended up being like just over three months from the first time I kind of just threw that idea out there. And this is this past March. Yep. So March 25th, 2022, you made it official. So, I mean, you're talking seven, eight months from the time I met her. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have, you have such a unique ability to build relationships with kids in general, but to, to reach, somebody like Lily and then push for adoption less than a year is crazy. It's crazy to me. Right. And, you know, I don't know all of the intricate details about adoption, but like that seems like a really rapid process. Um, but what is really fascinating is how fast Chad got on board with this <laughs> because like it was what he met her once and was like, yeah, I'm sold. He, he met her twice, but then it really wasn't until she was sick. And then, I mean, 
he he raised two kids as well um so with our three children that we already had like he understood that whole process and even when he's sick like he wants somebody to take care of him too so he he really felt that compassion for her at that time like she's sick and there's nobody to take care of her like what else is she missing you know that kind of just opened his eyes up a little bit more I think to like and open his heart more that you know she everybody does deserve that everybody deserves to have somebody and so if we can fill that void for her like absolutely why shouldn't we was she 18 at the time that she started school she was 18 when she started here with us yes Okay. So, and the reason I'm asking was, I wonder if there would have been some sort of conflict, like, you know, having these conversations as an adult legally right. versus, you know, if she's you know five months younger than 18, like she's 17 right. and a half. Right. Uh, I wonder if there would have been, like, was that something that you had even thought of? Um, actually, I hadn't, but that's because she was an adult at that time, right? She, when I met her, she was 18. She actually turned 19 in that November. So um, she was 19 at the time of the adoption. But yeah, it really honestly never crossed my mind because she was she had been on her own since 16 anyway. So that's really kind of what drew me to want to support her and help her in that way because she didn't have any connections to biological family or any family. Yeah, so, I mean, she is truly on her own. She was truly on her own, yep. And kind of going forward, you know, she, you make the adoption March 25th and, like, you sail into the sunset, everything is perfect, and <laughs> no challenges at all? Not quite. <laughs> what are, yeah, so what are some challenges that kind of popped up that maybe were unforeseen? Like, you know, you make this adoption, you're, you're radically changing this girl's life, and, you know, it's not picture perfect. So most of, I'd, I'd like to think that I was pretty well-versed in what I was getting myself into, and we'd had a lot of conversations, Chad and I, about what this means and what we're taking on, because... Anytime you take on somebody that has trauma in their background, you don't really know what you're getting, right? There's always that wonder about like, okay, are we in a honeymoon period? Are we going to start seeing some different behaviors? Is there like, is, is something going to change? Is something going to drastically change? So we were kind of prepared for all of that. I'd say the thing that surprised me the most was just the realization that like, I didn't raise this child, <laughs> So she's, she's essentially fully raised at this point, and I don't know what her upbringing was, and I don't know what she learned or what she didn't learn. And so having her in our home and just even doing, like, things around the house and such, it's like I kind of have an expectation that I don't have to necessarily clearly set out for my children because, for my, my other children, I should say, because... They were raised doing it. They already knew what the expectation was. They knew how to meet it. And I kind of went into it the same way, not realizing that, like, she doesn't know what my expectation is. And how would she? I never, if I didn't clearly express it to her, she wouldn't know what the expectation is. So I think that's the first thing that caught me off guard or the biggest thing that caught me off guard was like, oh, yeah, I, we didn't bring her up. So we don't know, you know, and she doesn't know. <laughs> so it's kind of. It's been a learning curve for us. It's uh, so like with with my kids, it's okay. You you have these expectations set at, you know, two, three, four years old and it becomes a pattern or habit. So was it kind of like teaching an 18 year old girl to follow the expectations that you would typically teach like a five year old? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is. It's, It's just 
Yeah, it's just unique. So even with like my stepchildren, I didn't raise them either, obviously, but I came into their lives when they were already in their 20s. Our oldest son has never lived with me. Our daughter has, our oldest daughter has. But you can see like in the way that she behaves and what she does that the way she was raised is similar to the way that I raised my son as well. So the expectations are already clearly defined. So I I really just didn't have, I was really out of my comfort zone, I guess, um, when it came to the parenting side of that. So yeah, just really going backwards for myself and reminding myself that like, well, how would she know? (laughs) And, and having those conversations with her as well, right? Like that, I have to realize that you don't know these things. And so that that comes back on me too and taking that ownership and accountability for myself that, you know, I may have set an expectation, but if I didn't communicate that expectation, then it's not your fault that you didn't meet that expectation. It's my fault. Yeah, it's kind so. of a learning curve for everybody. It's not just one-sided. How did, um, so your, your stepkids and your son, how did they, I don't want to use the word adapt, but like, you know, you make a decision like this, you're welcoming somebody else into a family who's already an adult. How did they take it? Um, they were a little surprised at first, but they were like, hey, if, you know, you know what's best. And if you, if this is the decision that you're making and you think that this is the best decision for everybody involved, like we're on board. And again, like I said, when they first met her, they welcomed her with open arms. She is their sister. <laughs> they, um, they pick on her like she's their sister. They love on her like she's their sister. So, um, it's, you know, they're just, they roll with it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's because uh, from from conversations that I've had, like, it can be really positive, but it could also cause some tension. And so. It helps, it helps too that none of our children live at home, except for Lily. So um, they all are doing their own things. They're actually, we have three, ch- well, four children, but three of them, the three oldest living away from us, being in three states. So we have them in Indiana, Ohio, and then one here in Michigan. So they're not necessarily close by and involved in the day-to-day either. So I think that kind of helps ease that any kind of tension that would be there. What kind of growth have you seen, like both observing for Lily, but also for you and Chad? Like you, you make this decision, you're moving forward, you're almost, you're about what, seven, eight months into it. Have you seen, like, just from some of the trauma that she had, she was living on her own, she's kind of doing her own thing, now you've provided not just a safe spot, but a family and some structure, like, have you seen improvement in her emotional well-being? It's actually, it's really ironic in our timing today, because um, on Adoption Day, I gave her a photo album with pictures of, since like from our family and just since we had been together. So basically like two months worth of pictures of like that moving forward and that new life. And last night she, um, we were getting ready for bed. She's like, Hey, can I show you something? I was like, yeah, give me just a minute. And so I go out in the living room and she's got her photo album and she's like, look, she added new pictures. So she had printed off pictures from more recent pictures and she added them in there and lots of selfies and also some candid shots from the holidays and um, just different events that we've had as a family and 
her with her siblings and things. And she said, yeah, like I was looking back at it. She flips back to the very first picture and it was the day we were moved. Well, it was the week before we moved her into our house. We were actually cleaning up her room and getting it ready for her. And Zach, our youngest son, asked me, he's like, hey, is she there? I want to come and meet her. And I took a selfie with her and sent it to him. And that was like the first picture in her photo album. And she's like, I looked at that picture and I just thought, that's like, I'm not even the same person I was then. And I said, you absolutely aren't. And I said, I started laughing. I said, actually, legally, you 100% are not the same person. (laughs) She has a new identity. But I said, you absolutely are not that same person anymore. She was such a quiet just very quiet, very shy, lacked a lot of confidence, um, almost withdrawn in a lot of situations. And now she, we're building her confidence. We're really working on that right now. But she is healthier. We've, we've been through a lot of different doctor's appointments and things trying to establish her health history because she doesn't know anything historically in her family. So we're trying to establish a health history for her and then also get her on a path to physically feeling better. And then she's working through therapy and things as well to, for her mental well-being. And she is, I mean, she's just happier. She's got a lot more color to her. She just, like, to see that picture and see her now is just a, it is a drastic difference. And that's, I mean, it will be a year in January from when she first came to our house. So, And for you and for Chad, like, kind of a, a different question, but, or I'm sorry, so kind of like, different perspective but have you seen like yourself kind of grow as you're an adoptive parent so you definitely see your your child blossom and grow sometimes it's a little bit challenging to see like personal growth have you seen you or chad kind of grow or mature or you know any word you want to use to describe it (laughs) changing for sure yeah um definitely changing perspectives Chad is, he's admittedly, like, not a kid person, but she, and she's not, I mean, obviously it was an adult adoption, but we say that she's kind of still operates on, like, a 16-year-old level, and she says that as well, because it's kind of when she ended up on her own, and so a lot of things kind of happened that stunted her a little bit there with development. So managing a teenager, again, after being empty nesters for three years is kind of a little crazy. So... Lots of struggles on our end as far as adapting to that, not being empty nesters anymore, having a child in the house again. She's a little bit more dependent on us as she's working right now towards getting her license. So we haven't had an unlicensed driver in the house in six years. (laughs) So it's a little challenging for us sometimes, but being able to welcome her and support her and have kind of tough conversations between ourselves and with her as far as how things are going and what we need to do and how we can help her progress and things like that. Definitely can see that we've been able to take accountability for the things that we need to do better or differently and also helping her see how to do things to progress as well. So changing I don't know how much growth (laughs) sure I'm sure it's growth because change is growth but yeah it's interesting to kind of look at ourselves that way yeah a little little reflection piece and you guys are still like in the early game of this like it just so kind of transitioning a little bit moving forward but uh when it comes down to adoption it's like there's a huge need for there's kids out there that just they have nothing absolutely you know Lily's story is unique in and of itself but there are hundreds of thousands of kids that 
they're neglected, they're abused, they have no support, they're all over the place, and we expect them to fully function when they're an adult. It's just not possible. And so, like, I understand that not everybody should adopt. Oh, I agree. But at the same time, what would you say to people that might be thinking about it as far as like an encouragement piece? Like if people are considering adoption, but are like on the fence, like, "Ah, do I really want to do this? Should I, should I not? It's definitely worth looking into, right? I mean, I think you do your research. You can't just be all positive and jump into it and be like, I'm going to go save the world one kid at a time. Like we'd love to do that. I mean, you and I, especially like, that's why we teach. Right. But you can't, it's not going to be always easy. There's going to be hard times for sure. And it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows every day, but neither is parenting, right? And neither is life. But if you're willing to sacrifice some for yourself, for the good of somebody else, I think it's totally worth looking into. Talk to people about it and see what their perspectives are. You're going to hear good and bad. No story is 100% good and no story should be 100% bad. But you really have to know your family dynamic as well. So if you think that yourself, your spouse, your children are um, in a place where you can handle that, definitely look into it. There's a definite need out there. And kind of like our story, even as adults, at 18 years old, you're considered an adult, but you still need a family. Well, Desiree, thank you so much for joining me on the show. This was awesome. And I mean, we see each other every day, but being a part of this, like this is awesome. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing Lily's story and adopting her and welcoming her into your family. Thank you for having me. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our show. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again. This is the Walk Family Podcast.